Be it here resolved that the Fonz is no longer welcome in Milwaukee. Mr. Winkler. <laughs> Mr. Winkler, a.k.a. <laughs> Arthur Fonzarelli. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. 10 on Wisconsin's Morning News on a day when the Milwaukee Bucks will introduce their new head coach, Adrian Griffin, set to officially be announced at 11 o'clock this morning. Are we going to carry that live, E? Is that your plan? A portion of it will be carried live, Some yes. Of the, that I can promise you. The first moments, and that'll be during Steve Scafidi's show. Yep. From 9 to noon, so we're thinking about 11 o'clock from Deer District for that announcement. So many things I want to talk about today, so I want to move quickly to our first item here and then get into some of the other things. And this was something that you and I thought there was more to talk about because we had uh, two-time sports writer of the year, Lori Nickel, joins us Tuesday mornings at about 10 to 7, and we talk about whatever. I mean, our kind of our goal with Lori is, obviously she's a sports reporter, but just what else are you seeing out there? She's really active in the community, and one of the things that she really likes to do as an athlete is participate in a time-honored summer tradition here in southeast Wisconsin and probably all over the state. The run walk, the charity ride, uh, yes, the golf outing, the what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lori was talking, and anecdotally, this is just sort of her observation, and it's certainly been mine as well as some of these types of events, that some of them have been canceled so they're gone away altogether. And then others, she's noticing dwindling numbers. So events that were once really large seem to be smaller, yet at the same time, there appear to be more and more of them. So I wonder if we're at a saturation point for the run walk, the golf outing, and even take it outside of the, the sports and activities, the gala, right? The charity mm-hmm, gala, mm-hmm. a black tie or otherwise, where everybody gets together and you have these events. And... I think that's true. I would suggest that I've witnessed that as well. More and more events, but smaller in numbers. And for some nonprofits that rely on the income that they get from their signature event, that can be problematic. But I hope one of the reasons that I know this in serving on multiple boards is the conversations that are going on in boardrooms are not just about whether or not we should keep doing this, but ROI, return on investment. Absolutely. And to put on an event of any kind and of any size and scale requires a lot of people hours. So it may not just be that people aren't participating as much, although that could be part of it. It may not just be that there are lots of these events out there. It is also that nonprofits are really looking at their bottom line and saying, are we getting the return on the investment we need to continue to sustain this event? Right. And and what that means is it takes a lot of people power to organize. You'll spend, you know, you can be in your event. So if it's a golf outing for Special Olympics that we put on or our polar plunges uh, when I was part of that. So that's a series of events mm-hmm, across mm-hmm. the state. You're planning next year's polar plunge when you're in this year's polar plunge. And there's a lot of energy that goes into that. And if you're feeling like we're not getting the return monetarily for that investment, that can be an issue. You start looking at it and say, could we employ or have fewer people on our staff writing grant proposals or going into major corporations and doing pitches and getting handed 5K or 10K of a sponsorship as opposed to trying to raise thirty dollars or $50,000 through our entire staff working year-round trying to put on this event? Right. My point here is, though, there's more to it than that. 
And sometimes these events that occur in smaller communities are the connective tissue between not only your constituency, the people whom your charity serves, but also the people that support it. And I think there's more to it than that. So I hope they don't all start to go away and just become merely a dollars and cents issue. I do think that sponsorships do play a large role. Bullseye! <laughs> Bullseye yourself. I mean, you can't, you, can't, you can't run these events if you don't have enough of the dollars. And if you're spending all the time. You can't. I mean, you talk about the ROI. That's Obviously, there's the energy toward that. But if I mean, we've seen it. We've seen different events that haven't come back or are now finally coming back because a sponsorship has returned until all the companies and, and the, the local businesses are willing to throw a couple of a bucks here and there. And I'm not saying they're not, right? You know, but until that would return, then you're, yeah, some of these events won't be as big, won't be as special. And then COVID and our reaction to it really more appropriately, how we shut things down for a couple of years, that screwed everything up as well. Bullseye! So some, of these, right, <laughs> some of these events have come back, but it's like, Man, if it had been your yearly tradition to always do this or always do that, and then it went away for two years, or in some cases three, and now they want you back, it's like, well, I don't know. We found other stuff to do or other things to be committed to. Let me play you just one part of our interview with uh, Lori Nickel this morning. Well, it seems like that's the case, and I actually think that's a problem now because I looked around at the ride on Sunday, and I'm like, where is everybody? I've done a lot of this stuff. Uh, for several years now, I started writing about it for a chin-up column in 2013, and I've been doing that for 10 years. And I'm just noticing everywhere I'm going that numbers are really declining. So that's Lori talking. She was at the UPAF ride uh, this last weekend. She also mentioned uh, Al's Run, which was a staple for decades. Now, not even going to be staged this year. Now, folks at... Children's Wisconsin say they're going to be working with Marquette to reimagine it. It may be a smaller scale back event or they use the language they want it to be more inclusive. Not entirely sure what that means, but whatever. That event is not going to happen this year. That that was a huge mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And there, there are others like it. So there are a lot of things at play here. See, I wonder, because you said the Lombardi was effective, but they didn't have the crowd, right? There was no public yeah. access to the Lombardi golf event this past weekend. Yeah, and I, I think that's for an assortment of reasons. Uh, Greg Matzik from WTMJ here is on the golf committee that helps plan that for the Vince Lombardi yeah. Cancer Foundation. And uh, I know in years past, they used to pack that thing with fans who would come out to see the, the stars There'd be and the galleries, athletes. Right, and there'd be galleries, yeah. right? In fact, that was one of the things that... <laughs> Yes, Chewy talks about it over in ESPN Milwaukee all the time about how he nailed somebody in the yeah. crowd because, hey, some of these guys aren't great golfers, <laughs> neither the celebs or the people paying to be a part of the right, outing, right. right? So I thought that added a lot of luster to it for whatever reason they've gone away from that. And that, too, may be a dollars and cents sure. thing, like the return on the investment of how many volunteers, how many extra hours we need to spend planning that, doing all of these things to pack mm-hmm, the grounds mm-hmm. with people isn't worth it because isn't our true mission here to support cancer research, and to raise as much money as possible to support that mission. My point is, I just hope that that's not the only part of the conversation in boardrooms in nonprofits. See, I wonder if there's also just, there's so much stuff going on in our lives, too. Just so many other events, whether they're volunteer or not. As a parent, I mean, I volunteer at a million different things. Luckily, my kids don't have any tournaments that I have to help be a part of this year. But, like, we go to tournaments, and there's parents everywhere having to help put these tournaments together and whatnot. So that siphons away some, some people. Uh, I think there are more, more micro level 
5K type things too. I was just at one this past weekend. It was phenomenal in my neighborhood. Awesome Alley's 5K, where it was it's created on behalf and memory of a young girl who died in our neighborhood of brain cancer and raising awareness for DPIG. And it's phenomenal. There's a couple of hundred people there. And it was a great event on Saturday on Sunday this year. And it was just a 5K in the subdivision. So are there more of those types of events taking place, which I think would be super cool. But then when you do that, that, of course, means that you might see less at the UPAF event. Yeah, it starts to siphon off from sure. the giants in our community. Not necessarily were, a bad thing. Right. I mean, it's still money and awareness being raised, right? Yeah, and I think you know there's value in having events that, again, connect you with your contributors, your supporters, your donors. If... You know, United Performing Arts Fund, for example, if that's the time when they have an opportunity for the CEO to go out, Patrick Rath, and shake hands with people who are contributors, to thank people directly whom he may or may not see at the theater, at the ballet, at at the opera, or whatever, those are good things and they have value. It can't be only dollars and cents, um, but you're onto something there. So many of our kids' activities now require so much more of our effort. Man, we used to get dropped off for stuff, period, or not even. Ride your bike to baseball practice. You have your practice. You come home. How did it go? Maybe a game somebody would show up. Maybe mm-hmm. you'd get a ride here or there. But, like, it was not like mom, dad, brothers, sisters, everybody at every yeah, game. Yeah. Hey, paint these lines. Hey, sell these hot Doing dogs. Stuff. Hey, help with parking. I mean, and then all the, the of it. fundraising. Yeah. The fundraising. <laughs> You're selling pizzas, caramel corn, wrapping paper, Kringle. Did I tell you what my, my kids' track team, what they ended up doing? Just ask for money. It was Knock like, on hey, some you know doors what? and give Just me say, some hey, money. Can I have 20 bucks? That goes <laughs> goes back to the ROI. Should we go through some third party and bring all these things together and have the catalogs and have you calling up you know, your aunts and uncles and, hey, do you want to buy some Kringle? Or, or should you just knock on some doors and say, can I have 20 bucks for baseball? <laughs> you, don't even, you don't even have the jersey on or anything. <laughs> Nothing. Just mm, call I don't know, up. little Johnny. Are you for sure going to use this <laughs> I money? Just Venmo me. Here's my, here's my account. <laughs> Just a kid on your doorstep begging for cash. 820 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Bullseye. on Wisconsin's Morning News this Tuesday morning. 79th anniversary today, Eric, of the D-Day invasion, Normandy. They stormed the beaches, and uh, their remembrances and ceremonies all underway overseas already this morning. It is pretty amazing that after all these years, those who come out for those 100-year-old vets and whatnot... Yes, 79 years since D-Day, General Mark Milley, the Joint Chiefs of Staff Chair, was on hand for an event on Normandy at Omaha Beach. We're gathering today to commemorate one of the most important military campaigns in history on this 79th anniversary of D-Day. So there are nearly 9,400 U.S. soldiers Buried there overseas in the American cemetery. These brave men crawled inch by bloody inch across mine-riddled beaches under the hail of German bullets. They were ordinary soldiers, yet they're exceptional in every way. So then there's 100-year-old American World War II vet Jake Larson is there. 
And he was there during the invasion, and he was there today, and he's from Hope, Minnesota. He enlisted when he was just 15 years old, and believe it or not, he even is known by a younger generation. I'm just a country boy. Now, I'm a star on TikTok. Yes. Good for him, man. You can find Larson on TikTok. You know, in an assortment of ways, and I think about this every year when we when we honor this day, D-Day, and and actually the several days that surrounded it, but sure. the day in and of itself, um, when they stormed the beach at Normandy, and you had, on that single day, 2,500 American deaths, 2,501 actually is the official total. And, and I know that that number is varied, so I'm getting that information from the National D-Day Memorial Foundation. They're calling it 4,414 Allied personnel killed on D-Day and 2,501 from the U.S. And when we reflect on this day annually, I think it's important to do so because there's so much of what happened on that day that we don't have anymore, that we're not capable of anymore can you i wonder about my 15 year old son finding his way home right (laughs) right from school a mile away right we're out there trying to get him his first job things like that i can't imagine him and you weren't supposed to at 15 i guess they kind of smudged the books here and there Mm -hmm. but there Mm -hmm. are those stories i hadn't heard of anybody young as 15 i'd heard 17 that crazy 17 year olds trying to enlist because they were moved to the cause and that's what you did i think we lack that well, just, I mean, uh, also think of the, the the leadership decision, too. Okay, we're sending men to slaughter. We're, we're literally sending a lot of our our service members to die immediately. And they knew it. Yeah, they, and, knew, they, they knew it. They knew it. And, and, I, and knew that it had to be done, and it, uh, it worked in this, you know, thank goodness it, it worked. It had to. Yeah, right. it had to work. But you're, you're exactly right. The other thing that we don't have anymore is, you know, for what? For what would we sacrifice our own in that way anymore? Could we ever reach a level of unity again where we are so unified in a cause and what we do that we would say, look, this is horrible. It's awful. It's the worst thing. And I know we, st- we stage war differently than we did back in the day. There is less of a human toll. Right. And that's, that's what I would have said. And, and that's good. And that's right. a good thing. More drones, right. more usage like okay. that. Great, but you know what? What is it that could unify us as a nation or as allied nations again that we would say we would knowingly send our youth off to slaughter, believing it was the only way? And tragic as it were, it's going to be worth it to for save our way of life, the planet. Yeah, and I don't know that we have that ability anymore. And I'm not suggesting we should or whatever. Just. I'm leaving the thought there. Right. I don't know that we have it like that anymore. Greatest generation, hands down, period, end of sentence. 829 in Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight thirty-seven. Tons of stuff I still want to get to. A uh, couple of interesting new details emerging from the investigation of the plane that crashed in the Virginia forest. This is the one where the pilot was unresponsive. The 
corporate jet, if you will, a twin-engine Cessna, was intercepted by F-16 fighters. Do you have that thing from uh, ABC we heard? Yes. Is Dimbert? From Andrew Dimbert. Yeah. Here you go. Jet took off from Tennessee at around 1.15 Sunday afternoon, headed to New York's Long Island. Less than 15 minutes after takeoff, the veteran pilot was no longer responding to air traffic controllers. The plane reaching Long Island, but then turning around, flying over New York and D.C. airspace. It would take 90 minutes before the military launched F-16s, one of them breaking the sound barrier causing a sonic boom. Those fighter jets catching up to the plane, firing flares and issuing warnings by radio. The fighter pilots say they could see the pilot slumped over. Okay, so that pretty much confirms, I I shouldn't say confirms, but definitely lends a great deal of evidence toward the theory that it was hypoxia. So the loss of pressurization in the cabin of this private jet that uh, basically causes you to black out and ultimately deprives you of oxygen to the point of death. And you don't have much time, do you, for something like that? No, you don't. And you may not know what's happening if you know what's happening, I suppose you can take corrective action and dip dip down below to a, to a more reasonable altitude, but uh, that appears not to have been the case here. But a couple of other details I wanted to point out outside of that is just 15 minutes into the flight, they couldn't raise this pilot. So that was an immediate malfunction. That's number one. Number two, 90 minutes later before yeah. this aircraft is intercepted or even before they launched the F-16s, not suggesting that there was anything they could do about it because they couldn't. But what if this had been an aircraft that had gone rogue, that had nefarious intentions? But how Hour many, and a half we wait? How many, I mean, think about how many jets of this size or smaller are circulating, are circulating around the globe, but like around our country. And think about like the normal size, the, the commercial airliner. So think about all the aircraft right now that are flying. Then you have these small, these little Cessnas that are flying around where people are just flying an hour away just to get a hamburger someplace else. Sure. Or I mean, that... All of those pilots have to be accounted for in some fashion. It doesn't surprise me that it's not the first thing on someone's quote-unquote radar to know whether or not this person <laughs> Someone is. literally radar, right. But, I mean, you said quote-unquote right, radar, right. but you're, you're exactly or, or right. Or how often do they, I mean, and I don't know the answer to this, but how often do you call for someone and not hear back? So just hearkening back to my days in, in Chopper 4, I flew a lot back in the day. And so there are certainly areas where you're not really... You're always in somebody's airspace when you're when you're up there, but you may not be there. Are many unmanned towers okay. all across. You know, for flying across rural Wisconsin, it's not like air traffic control somewhere is squawking at us or whatever. Anywhere you're near, near a populated area, sure. obviously, we were in touch with the tower at Mitchell, um, and we flew to Illinois, even in the Chicago area. That's a whole other deal. So, yeah, if you're near a populated area, you're in touch with someone, and okay. it sounds like that's the path that this. Jet was on. If you're on the East Coast, you're around. You're in somebody's airspace the whole time. Isn't it amazing though to think about? So it almost did like a U-turn, right? When it, when yeah. when things seemed to go haywire or whatnot. But like this, and it sounds funny to say this, it could not have worked out any better as far as the direction of the plane. True enough. Right. Ended up crashing in a forest where nobody else was killed. Right. And basically, that was the. The best case scenario from something that apparently was an ill-flated flight yeah. only a matter of minutes in. So interesting new information that I pass along and uh, share with you there. I also want to talk a little bit more about the Apple launch, and I mentioned the stock price. Inter- interesting to note, Apple comes out with a huge launch of its next big thing. Stock went down. <laughs> the descriptive words of Apple CEO Tim Cook. This is a huge idea. The company unveiling its next big thing, they call it the Vision Pro. It's a headset that you wear to immerse yourself in 
I guess, whatever you're running through it. Uh, let me get you this from ABC's Andrea Fujii. Apple now jumping into a space that Facebook parent company Meta has tried to conquer with its line of Oculus headsets and the Metaverse. But the Metaverse has created little fanfare and sales for Oculus products have underperformed. With Vision Pro, Apple is offering higher-end components, better build quality, and more features, including the ability to record and play back 3D images and video. But all that technology comes with a price. The headset starts at $3,500, more than triple what the most expensive headset from Meta costs. And oh, by the way, isn't available till next year. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get the timing of this announcement. So you can't even get it for Christmas. Right. I think that's, that's so odd, and I wonder why Cook felt like this was something they wanted to unveil now if it's not ready to go to market. Usually when you have the next iPhone, it's available very shortly thereafter not maybe in limited supply but somebody can get it or the watch right you know the iWatch that came out so i thought that was curious and may have contributed to you know one of the reasons that wall street reacted in the way it did of like okay can't even get this till next year see (laughs) you know you did something wrong when you're game changing this is gonna be everybody forever different announcement comes down with some new hardware you're gonna (laughs) introduce and your stock price goes down (laughs) you you guys are gonna love this wait till you see this but the idea (laughs) you know but the 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 thought of it though is actually pretty interesting and the idea of being able to wear you know, whether it's goggles or this more of a VR mask, I mean, it's pretty big just judging from the pictures, although I don't know how heavy it is, but being able to have like screens that you're working on just in the air for you to be able to look at and move and minimize or to be able to watch a, a TV show that way. See, that's interesting where you put on different the, experience for sure. Yeah, So you're watching the show. It, it sits in this one spot in your vision and then there's the 3D. So you're actually getting what they've always wanted as far as that 3D quality on a television show or a movie by just putting on this mask that is actually projecting the actual video itself. I don't know. There's something interesting to this. Apple CEO Tim Cook, I mentioned him before, he talked with Robin Roberts in an exclusive interview. I'll let you hear a little bit more from him on what this does. Vision Pro, which you are really excited about. Just explain to folks what that is. Well, it's, it is the first platform that is about spatial computing. And so what does that mean? It means that you can see, hear, and interact with digital content right in your physical space. And this is a huge idea. I love that. He says, what does that mean? I don't know about you. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> you can interact with things in the visual space. It's the this, it's so the you, that. So you essentially don't need yeah. monitors. Right. So here's, here's Cook going a little bit further explaining. You can immerse yourself in movies, TV shows, sports, and feel like you're right there. You can take photos and videos and then enjoy those and bring back memories as if you were there and repeating that experience. So super cool, but you mentioned like watching a TV show or whatever. I already... I worry again because Cook is out there and so are many other techies saying like this will this will make us even more connected. Imagine, Eric, if you and I, instead of talking on the phone tonight, if we had a movie, you, me and, and Greg Hill, who produces the show Pancake, where we have a meeting and it's the three of us and we feel like we're in the same room together. See, we're so much more connected. 
And I looked at yesterday, I'm watching, uh, my wife was gone, so the three kids and me, and we're watching some stuff on TV, and I got one with her face in the phone while we're watching, like, hey, are you watching? She's like, I am watching. You're not. <laughs> that bothers you. Watch the show. Well, like, either we're watching a show <laughs> or we're go. not. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> right? And it's like I'm battling already for this communal attention. No, like I get We're it. all I get plugged it. in, and I have this vision of the five of us in my family sitting on the couch and each one of us wearing our own mask, quote unquote, connected by watching the same show. Well, and I, get, I hear where you're coming from there. And I guess what I'll say so we have an Oculus, which is the meta thing, it's the Facebook one. And we don't use it for like going into a metaverse, they just play games on it. As far as you know, <laughs> so, no. somebody might have been in the metaverse, <laughs> they might be in my house right now with it on. <laughs> um, but, but like what I've noticed with it, a couple of things. One, it, it, it can actually physically tax you in a way. Like my brow aches after I have it on for like 15 minutes. Like it just. Is it from like it's not, the physicality no, of the it's device? Not heavy. Or it just wears you out? It just kind of wears you out. It's like tight on your head yeah, and like you, you, your head is moving around. So it just kind of sits on your head. And it's not, it's not super heavy, but it's not, it's not unnoticeable. Um, but the other thing I've noticed too with it is that with some of the games that we have on it, like it's really easy to get motion sickness, like really easy to get it. Um, in this case with what Apple is offering, it doesn't seem like motion sickness would be the issue as far as like being able to watch a basketball game on it. Like watching the basketball game on the surface of the, of the table while you're in your kitchen would be kind of cool. Well, it looked like 3d checkers for a 3d chess yeah. from... Star Wars. Yeah, yes, right? exactly. See Giannis like dunking from any angle. Right there. Yeah, that's that sounds pretty awesome to me. But I do think that you're going to have physical ailments with this. Not necessarily like people having to go to the hospital, but it's going to like it, it's going to affect yes. you in some kind of physical way to have these masks on all the time. The Vision Pro from Apple available months from now. This is a huge idea. A couple of quick hitters here. Now, do we think anybody's really bent out of shape that Henry Winkler is I not am. coming here? I'm PO'd you about are, it. You are not. Or did we just write about it? Did the paper just write it up and say, like, this is an outrage? It is an what interesting kind of observation. The Journal Sentinel did have this story about how, so Henry Winkler, of course, the Fonz, he's got a new book coming out, a memoir, if you will. About being the Fonz. Yeah. And whatnot and yeah. all that stuff that he's done. And so he has a 15-city uh, tour that was just released, and he tweeted about it like saying, hey, look, you know, hopefully you live near some one of these areas. You can come see me on my, my book tour. And <laughs> Milwaukee is not on the list. But I don't know what's worse, the fact that Milwaukee isn't on the list or that Naperville, Illinois, <laughs> didn't right. make the cut. Come on, man. Like, where literally your statue is. <laughs> Naperville's on the list, and Chicago's on the list. So you joke that, and Eric, I earlier, don't care. I, I Eric earlier got me on this. I thought he was serious. He told me that. Did you tell me Bauman? I said Bob Bauman was PO'd about <laughs> right. it. Demands an and apology. And was demanding an apology, and I <laughs> fell for it because is that is that that outlandish? Alderman for downtown in Milwaukee, and the Common Council why has argued. He, why would he care? Has argued over more inane stuff in its history. <laughs> this is true. I mean, the the list of things that they've argued over. <laughs> They're going to pass a resolution right. <laughs> demanding he come visit us. But I believed it. I, that's an outrage. That, the statue is right there on the Riverwalk. That belongs to the people. <laughs> I'll tear the thing down if that's what it that's what it takes. Rip it right out. That's a pretty good bombing, actually. Put it in storage. 
We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that for the fonts. We don't need to shovel around it shovel around. when the snow comes down. <laughs> That's right. We don't have to clear that area. The burden walk. on the taxpayer. He won't doesn't have the decency to even show up. <laughs> so I would it have mattered? Whereas, <laughs> some big yeah. hole resolution. Would it have A mattered? significant investment has been made in the bronze fonds. And whereas Milwaukee takes <laughs> considerable pride in having been the scene of happy days. And whereas happy days was once one of the great that sitcoms. Part, in. That's why I'm glad he's not coming. Because at least maybe now we can tear the Band-Aid <laughs> off. Be it here resolved that the Fonz is no longer welcome in Milwaukee. Mr. Winkler. <laughs> Mr. Winkler, a.k.a. Arthur Fonzarelli, is hereafter no longer welcome. We should make up our own proclamation and just send it to him. I think it's on behalf of the city. <laughs> like, get somebody to sketch in the Great Seal, right? <laughs> on behalf of Milwaukee. Sometimes you can ask the city to do some of that stuff for you, so we could just ask the mayor. Yeah. Um, you cannot. <laughs> You can seriously ask them to do stuff like that? Like well, do stuff? <laughs> well, maybe not to this okay, okay. to this extent. But you can like have days. I mean we Sure. Okay, well, sure. We had yeah. Gene Miller Day. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, which was a great honor. It I wasn't know he a appreciated goof thing, that. No, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, but regarding Winkler, I actually think had he come, it would have gotten more attention. Like, maybe he thought it didn't matter and he'll get attention either way. And maybe I think he thinks these, those people in Milwaukee, they already put a statue up for me. What, are they going to not buy the book? Could you sell any books here? Imagine if he book toured here, though. It would get so much more attention. Point of order. Yeah. He's getting attention now. Well, right. Not the same, though. Okay. And he's, okay. <laughs> but you're right, Deb. Hereafter, no longer welcome in Milwaukee. <laughs> Be it here is all. These days are all. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Eight fifty-eight, just about to hand the wheel over to Steve Scafidi. Did you hear what Milwaukee County Executive David Crawley said about the bus rapid transit yesterday? No. Here he is. It's a very short bite, I promise. The BRT is a BFD. It's a BFD, buddy. Wow, he went to the big word. <laughs> Almost. Right. Earlier, he actually said it out loud. <laughs> he was dropping yeah. F-bombs all over the place. He was so excited. He is excited. That's good. BFD. Is it a, B- is it a BFD? I don't think no, so. No, it's not. No. And that's my whole thing. I think my position on this has been misstated. I'm not against transit. <laughs> he hates it. I don't want to see the demise of MCTS. Hater? I'm not. If you want to build a better bus, then fine. It's Transit just, people are weird. If it's you, the hyperbole, if, Steve. Yeah, if you ever criticize anything about their launches or their, you know, the, this new exciting thing, they get all worked, bent out of shape, worked up. It's like, okay, prove it to me. Make it work. Make it work. Then I will. I'll be enthusiastic about it. That's all. It might be a great idea. Show me. Show me something. That's it. I mean, it's like we like connected people. It's like an air taxi or something. Now that would be a launch. Hey, from yeah. now on, you can fly from here to there. For free. For free. Somebody Man, I don't know who everything. Was, somebody said this to me. Probably hire individual Uber drivers for each person that was going to use this and save money. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I'm serious. Come on. Steve Scafidi is next on WTMJ. If you and Craig Council crossed paths at all when you were Bat Boy with the Brewers and Craig was also doing the same gig. He was a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> 